0: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Old Chicks Know Shit podcast. I have a very interesting guest with me today who is a chiropractor, a health coach, who talks a lot about the link between productivity and wellness, and really just about helping people live their best life through wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, so with me, I have Heather Denniston. Deniston, did I pronounce that correctly? Sure did. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And we're gonna kind of dig into her story a little bit to, about how she got to where she got to, and then talk about how she, you know, helps people. On the wellness journey that actually leads to living their best lives. So welcome, Heather. I'm so happy that you joined us. I know it's been a little while that we've been trying to get this together, so I'm
1: glad you're here. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's a total honor. You have an incredible podcast and following and movement that you are creating, and so I'm just glad to be a part of it today, so thank you.
0: Thanks so much.
1: I appreciate that. So I know you
0: have, so you're a chiropractor by training and you have a long career as a chiropractor. But you have a bit of a story that kind of has led you to the place that you got to. And as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, I love to dig into people's stories. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, your own health journey and how you got to this place of, you know, bridging beyond what is traditional chiropracting, uh, (laughs) chiropractic into a place of broader wellness. So tell us about what what that journey is. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Uh,
1: So when I was in college, I found myself... I don't know, one Saturday standing, just bawling in the shower. And I was inflamed and arthritic and had multitude of health issues. And I was probably close to 70 pounds overweight. And I realized that when I was nine, I had grown about six inches in a year and like a mastiff puppy kind of like growth growth trajectory. And I was a gymnast. And so that wasn't going to work because master puppies don't do back handsprings on the beam. And so I quit. And I focused on my other sport, which was competitive binge eating. And uh, (laughs) so by college, I ended up at about 235 pounds. And I realized something in that shower that day that it really wasn't the weight. It was that I had no concept of how to fuel my body how to be functionally fit or understood anything about mindfulness or self-compassion. And so I realized at that time that if I was going to turn that titanic of health issues around, I was going to need to focus on my own health as a priority project. And I tell you this because that's what led me into chiropractic and into becoming a certified wellness expert and into personal training and wellness strategy. And so where I placed my practice, I was right in the center of Microsoft and Amazon, Expedia, T-Mobile, and many other big corporate Mm. companies. And for 25 years, I worked on those bodies that would come to me from those big buildings. And I found that many of them had wellness ambitions that they kept failing at. And I connected from my own personal story and from years of working on clients and patients, that there are some foundational principles that a lot of people are missing. And at some point in my practice, I realized I needed to deliver that message to more people, not just one-on-one. And so I transitioned out of practice and went into more of a speaking and writing uh, capacity for wellness strategy, for corporate and business, and for leaders. And so that's I guess that's my story. Very, in that cool.
0: very cool. So you just mentioned that you found that people were kind of missing basic foundations of health. Yeah. What, like, what were the
1: commonalities that you found across all people? Like, what were people missing? I have a program called Wellness Amplifier Method that I, I take to corporations. And the three very first things I do with them are the three missing foundational blocks that I found with my patients. And that is discovering their energy leakage liabilities. Where are they spilling energy? And therefore, lack willpower, drive, and determination, and the ability to keep going with not only their wellness aspirations, but their professional aspirations and goals and achieve what they want to achieve. It's difficult to do that when you're spilling energy in places you don't even realize you're doing it. So that's number one. Right. Number so what do you, sorry, just before
0: we move on from that one, what when you say the term spilling energy, yeah. what exactly
1: do you mean by that? So I, I split it into two categories, brain drain or soul suck. And so Perfect. Brain drain is simply things like trying to multitask, which is technically and physiologically impossible, yeah. uh, being overcommitted, hypervigilance, having to pay attention and focus on too many things at once or the wrong times of day, decision fatigue. Those are brain drain items. Okay, and you gotcha. Operate like a cell phone battery, and those are things that suck it. For sure. Soul sucking is things like worry, bad relationships, overextending your Helpfulness. Anne Lamont has a saying where she says, "Stop getting your helpy goodness all over everybody." And what that is talking about is a lot of times when we're helping, it's actually a, a control for sure thing. And yeah. so we we need to be because it does drain our energy. We need to make sure that that person is actually asking for help and that we have it to give. And so that's yeah. a place where we spill energy and not to, not having enough stillness, not having proper breaks in your day. These are all places that suck your soul. And so. Right that's the energy leakage. And then we talk about solutions for that. Okay. So, so number two would be a deeply moving wellness. Why? And then number three is what I call establishing or curating a a really solid wellness pit crew. And there's definitions for those. If you want to talk about that, we certainly can, but those are the three kind of foundational principles that I I work off when I'm working with clients or corporations.
0: Yeah. So I'm intrigued by the wellness. Why? Mm. Can you talk to me a little bit about more about that one?
1: I sure can, and I'm a storyteller. Is it okay if I just share yeah, a story? Yeah, I, I love stories. So <laughs> okay, good. Well, I was working with a Microsoft group, and I had been tasked with a couple of things, but primarily we started with this foundational concept of discovering their wellness why. They're all working, and they're all sitting at the table, and they're filling out their papers except for Julie, who Julie at the end of the table is looking around and looking at everybody else's paper. And I walk over to her and I look and at the top of her blank paper was just three words. It said to be healthy. And I said, Julie, what, is that your wellness why? And she said, yeah. And I said, but why? And she said, I guess because I, I want to have choices when I get older. I said, yeah, but why? Because I want to be independent. But why? And this went back and forth, and eventually people like kind of put down their pens, and they were all staring at us, because it was getting like kind of intense, I was really leaning in, and she finally, after the last but why, her whole face changed, and she looked at me, and she said, because I don't ever want to tell my two grandsons that Noni can't do that, and I'm like, yes, yes now you have it. And that's what gets Noni out of bed for her morning walks. And so a deeply moving wellness why is the thing that allows us to commit long term to wellness changes in our life without feeling like it's a complete and total grind. Right. And so identifying that and revisiting it regular, regularly is absolutely essential. So
0: you talked about Julie, but is, do you find in general that a lot of people struggle with their why? Yes, and they're scared of it.
1: Mm-hmm. I've had people yeah. in tears because they don't want to go there. Uh, yeah. One woman, it was a, you know, a big thing about the way her mother functioned uh, with wellness and dealt with depression and anxiety, and she was so terrified of that. And she it was very hard. And so it, I, it is great to be in a situation where you can facilitate that process for somebody.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about this uh, here on the podcast about, you know, really going inwards. And a lot of times we find ourselves either, and you mentioned this earlier, like doing things for others, staying really busy, you know, Mm -hmm. doing whatever it is we can do to distract ourselves from the thing that we need to know most. And that's like, what's going on inside us. And so I'm intrigued by the wellness why, because that, the wellness why really requires you to peel away a few different layers (laughs) Uh Um, so it's never really the first answer that you come to I mean I'm sure there are people out there who have Uh that but there are layers beneath that and that's really getting to the core of what's most deeply important to you, and it's the same thing with midlife reinvention or mm-hmm. stepping into your dreams and everything. Like you've got to get to that. Like, why am I doing this? Why do I want this? Why is why am I being called in this direction? Yeah. So, and I, you,
1: sorry, you end up having to deal with maybe stories you've been told your whole life that aren't true anymore, and yeah. uh, family history that in, that kind of taught you certain things that you want yeah. to let go of, and and yeah. so it, it can be very uncomfortable work, but. Oh, so powerful. Yeah. And so, so powerful. powerful. On the other side
0: one well, and two for a lot of my audience you know busy career women moms like it's really easy to be distracted from what you want when you've got all of that going on so we go and we do for everybody else right yeah. and then one day we wake up going why do I feel lost why do I feel so disconnected from myself and my life like is this it I want more right and there begins the process of peeling back the okay well what even is it like what do I want
1: Yes, 100. percent That actually leads really well into the concept of a wellness pit crew. Do you mind if I share that? No, I was that was going to be my next question. So (laughs) okay, I loved I loved what you just said uh, because that is exactly this. Patient walked into my office. Her name is Julie. She's been a patient of mine for a long time. She was a Microsoft. HR exec doesn't matter, but uh, very, very career driven. And she's hilarious. And she came in stage just like deadpan, like not a smile on her face. I'm like, what's going on? And she said, Heather, I need you to help me with my lip. I'm like, your lip. I'm a chiropractor. I don't, I'm not too sure. And she said, no, 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 my, my Linda improvement plan. And I'm like, oh, this is intriguing. Tell me more about this. And so she said, exactly what you just said, Jen. She said, I have just spent the last 25 years raising boys and pursuing a career. I look in the mirror, I have no idea who I am. I've forgotten what I'm passionate about, what brings me joy and how to play. I'm out of shape and I'm not confident anymore. And I want to change that. I've tried for the last few months to do it on my own. I'm overwhelmed. I keep falling off the wagon. I need help. Yes. I'm in. So what we did is we called it the Linda Pitt crew and we established for her very key essential people, three to five, who were going to be her inner circle for her wellness aspirations. And it was me and her PT and her trainer, but it was one key person at work who she didn't actually even know very well. And uh, I'm going to come back to her, but when you think of a pit crew, and I don't know if you've watched Ford versus Ferrari, but yeah, I love that movie. (laughs) Me too. And so after that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like pit crew. This is exactly the example I was looking for. And so I studied up on pit crews and I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually pit crew school. And you can, and there's one role that this guy jumps over the thing and all he does is holds the tray underneath the gas nozzle to catch drips. And I'm like, my gosh that's an essential key part but very simple yeah linda's key element to her wellness pit crew other than us professionals was a woman who sat next to her at work who she didn't actually know very well who every monday would go up over the cube and look at linda and go you hike on sunday and that's all she asked her and linda attributes that the the gas-dripping tray holder in at her work as a huge part of her success. And so your wellness pit crew consists of people like the Cubemate and then people who are ahead of you or have more resources than you do. Um, but there's two things I want to finish with on that pit crew. Number one is that it should not be your spouse or closest friends. Bingo. And the reason yeah. is they're attached to who you are yeah. right now. Exactly. And you changing and developing threatens them sometimes, makes them nervous that they're going to lose you. They have a vested interest in keeping you where you are, not where you want to yeah. go. Yeah. So there's nothing, that, God love them, and, but they're not the ones to help you along this journey to the new you. And so that's uh, one thing. The second thing is, I was at a Brene Brown lecture and she had these five photos behind her and it was Dalai Lama and Oprah and... Just, CEO from Pixar and I can't remember the other two but she said this is my brain trust and these are the people I go to for direction for guidance when I need to make a decision and I'm thinking to myself damn girl you're connected <laughs> and, at, and at the same time she's like oh I don't I don't know any of these people like but they are my guides and my mentors and I love the idea of one person on your pit crew being somebody who is a mentor or a guide for you who you don't necessarily know but who you follow and you dig deep into their work and i think what's important is you know you and i know we're in the online space there are so many options for people and so to identify, name, and proclaim one person that you're going to follow for a length of time so that you don't get distracted and pulled in yep. seven different directions with 25 different types of advice on whether to eat blueberries as an antioxidant food or <laughs> yes. not, yeah. Uh, yeah. then it's really important. So establishing, sitting down and writing out that wellness pit crew who's on your team tell them talk to them put them on a group email let them know what your goals and aspirations are let them help you and set up a plan uh, to move forward Yeah. I love that
0: because quite often there is this notion that we need to do it ourselves. Like we need to have it all figured out that, you know, like if somehow if we're asking for help along the way that we're not good enough or we're failing. And I love the idea of a pit crew because it is so simple. Like I am a huge believer in make things as like, I always say to my clients, like Take the tiniest step you think you can possibly take in that direction. Like no no leaps, yeah. no jumps. I'm talking yeah. tiny, tiny little steps because those tiny steps compounded add up to amazing things and then you don't get overwhelmed and want to, you know, dive into a box of cookies or a bottle of wine every night because you're so frustrated, yeah. right? And so having those people with very specific roles to reach out to, I think is absolutely brilliant. I love the pit crew idea. Um, well, and I love what you
1: just said too, which is you like to create ease in the process. And I was just yeah. talking to an author named Benjamin Hardy, who wrote willpower doesn't work. And he talks a lot about, um, you know, the less we have ease in the environment in which we want to move through the more it has to be willpower so if you can surround yourself with people who help facilitate a smooth sailing kind of process through this or like an example of you know willpower doesn't work is if you set your running clothes out at night or you even wear them to bed you're much more likely to actually go running in the morning instead of getting up in the morning and having to use all your willpower for the day going over to the and pulling out your clothes and, you know, yeah. and so creating, e- I love that you said that, that you're, you know, you create ease and, and simple and just tiny steps forward. That's huge.
0: Well, because too, I think, you know, we also live under a bit of a delusion that everything's got to be hard. Like it's got to be, it's got to be hustle. It's got to be grind. It's got to be, and. My own experience tells me that is not the way to anywhere except for being overwhelmed, burnout, right? Like that's all it gets you. And if you've read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, and he talks about shooting for the 1% improvement, like literally your only job today is to be 1% better than you were yesterday. But at the end of the year, like your 1% is pretty significant. And life is supposed to be easy and joyful. Like somewhere along the way, we, you know, we're got to tough it out. We got to, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not subscribing to that anymore. It's life is supposed to be easy. So how can we make it easy on ourselves? Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we wear busy and hard work, like badges of honors and, you know, trust me, I've lived this one. I know, right. It doesn't help you. It does not get you where you want to go. Now, yeah, not to saying that you don't have to work hard. Yes, sometimes you do have to work hard on things. Like you have to step out of your comfort zone regularly. You have to, you know, be consistent every day. You got to do those things, that, you know? So that could be considered yeah. hard work. But the gr- the high, the grus- the,
1: high- the grind and the hustle. <laughs> the Holy. No, I have... like hustle. But <laughs> the grass is that word. That's <laughs> just, fantastic. I'm not going to hustle anymore, Jen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: exactly. We just coined a new term. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting. So what else, like, so when somebody comes to you and they're like, okay, I need to change my life, I don't like where I'm at, I don't like how I feel in my body, what's kind of the first thing that you tell them to do?
1: Well, I'm a big goal person, not just because I think a list of goals is effective, but it helps me understand what that person wants, and then the next step is to go through and identify, are those good goals or should goals? And so we Mm. say... Uh, Are these you feel like you should because your husband wants you to lose weight or because everyone is telling you that you're supposed to work out at Orange Theory five days a week? Or are they good goals? They're coming from deep inside you that you are really internally motivated and you want this for really, really good reasons in your life. And so... That's the place I like to start, you know, ahead of the Wellness why and, and, or um, after the Wellness why and Wellness Pit Crew, that's where we're going to go is let's identify some strategies for you, some things to focus on over the next couple months, but let's make sure that they're good and not just shoulds. Right. I love that
0: distinction, goods and shoulds. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's really good (laughs) because there's a lot of, there's a lot of shoulding. We should ourselves a a lot. lot
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think save yourself the time. If it's a should goal, you're not going to do it and you're going to be disappointed with yourself and you're going to feel badly and you're going to be self-shaming and all of those things. If they're good goals, we're much more compassionate with ourselves, I think, on that. And we encourage ourselves to get back up and keep going because the the goal has a much deeper, deeper seat in our soul and in who we are going to be in the world. Right. Or there's the other side of that coin, which is
0: the should goals, which, okay, this is something that I was totally guilty of in my life, right? I should be working out six days a week. I should be doing this. And I did it, right? Because I should be doing it to the point where I expended so much energy, I ended up (laughs) like sick from it, right? Like I was getting, I was going to the gym all the time. I was working out hard, you know, and... By all definitions of the outside world, I was doing everything right. I was eating healthy, and it was because I should work Mm -hmm. a certain way. I I should do this. I should do that. They weren't driven from my own internal motivation for something. It was driven by the shoulds that society had around me, right? Mm -hmm. To the point where, like, I got burnt out, I got sick, and I had to, like, really come to terms with why am I doing this? Like, why am I going to the gym and, you know beating myself into submission every day. Like, why am I doing that? And it took me having to really pull back from that for a couple of years to kind of say, oh, I want to do this because I like it and I feel good doing it as opposed to I feel like I should do it. And it was so, you know, I'm now getting back to the gym and working out and loving it now but my frame of mind
1: on it is totally different. Exactly. It's huge. Yeah. And that's yeah. when it becomes, uh, you know, almost uh, going from being something you want to do to being a habit to being a routine, like brushing your yeah. teeth. you are like, oh, I've got to brush my teeth again. Uh or flossing. <laughs> right? Well, okay, flossing, we do. Yeah. Uh, but once it becomes full routine, it's just like, well, this is just part of who I am. It's part of my day. And yeah. for me, the movement for me is that. Like, it, it's just a part of my day. I not yeah. even... I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I just, I do it. And so uh, once it becomes that and and it has a lot to do with the motivation behind it, you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and even James Clear talks about the 1% improvement where I think he was talking about somebody who, in terms of getting into a habit of going to the gym, this person would get up, get into their car and drive to the gym. They would not even go inside. And then they would go home again. And then they built the habit of just getting up, getting in the car. And then the next habit was, you know, putting on your shoes and going into the gym for five minutes, had to leave after five minutes until that became a habit. And then generally he built on it 1%, 1%, 1% until getting in the car, going to the gym and working out for an hour every day just became the norm for him.
1: Yeah. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with BJ Fogg, but he has a process called tiny habit method. And it's the exact same thing. It's start. He, you know, he wanted to do pushups. So he started with one pushup. Every time he went to the bathroom, he linked it to something he did. He'd come out with one pushup. And eventually he was doing 60 or 70 pushups a day. But one thing that I love that you said about the gym is when I would work with patients, if they'd get injured, I'd say, Oh no, you're still going to the gym. I don't care if you sit on the couch in the lobby, you are not letting that time disappear. So you go and you walk around or you do whatever you do, but you preserve that time that you have set in your schedule that has, everybody knows you're at the gym on Tuesdays at four. You keep going because once it's gone, we know that others virally take over our schedule, other obligations, things that pull on us. And so we have to protect that time passionately that we have set aside for self-care.
0: Yeah, for sure. Put those, those, put those rocks in the jar before you put in the all the other ones, exactly,
1: right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Talk
0: to me a little bit about healthy eating. I know this is something that a lot of people struggle with and okay, definition of healthy, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how you approach that in the work that you do.
1: Yeah, I there's and there's certainly lots of perspectives out there. And after the amount of time that I've worked with patients and clients, I have what I do. And so I always want to start with eating from a conscious perspective. And a lot of people do not eat consciously. So there's not a lot of thought and thankfulness and intention put into eating so we start there i always feel we add first and take away later so we so if somebody has a terrible diet i'm not going to say give up your coffee alcohol and processed foods all at one time because we naturally innately resist having something taken away and so if we can add i'll Mm -hmm. say just add Add a quarter of your plate as vegetables. Don't change anything else. Just add a quarter of your plate as vegetables. Well, by the very nature of doing that, there's less room on the plate for fries and potatoes and they start to feel a little better and then we can add a little something else and add a little something else and eventually we might get to the point where we're like, How do you feel about some of those processed foods? We can start to talk about, do you want to shift those so you can fill your plate with these other things instead? And we just work from a very conscious standpoint. We look at how we ancestrally are designed from our DNA up and how we want to fuel our bodies in that regard. So we want, in my opinion, grass-fed, well-sourced proteins. We want organic vegetables and we want some nuts and seeds and healthy fats and that's what our body is asking for. Anything right. in excess of that is a choice. We don't cheat. We never cheat. We just make adult choices. So there's no shaming when we have an extra glass of wine or we have a cupcake. That was a, an adult choice, and you get to suffer the consequences from that, and then you move on. And right. So those are some key factors, conscious eating, choice not cheat, fuel not friend. Okay. So making sure we start to address the emotional connection we have with food and then adding before we subtract.
0: Right. That's really helpful. Like everything that you've talked about today really comes down to awareness, Mm. right? I mean, we have so much subconscious, unconscious programming that happens within us, right? And every time we can become aware of why, Okay, so I come home from work every day, and I pour myself a glass of wine, and I sit on the couch. Yeah, like, have you ever stopped to ask yourself why do I do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. What and are then you looking for? What's the feeling you're wanting right. to get? And you get that yeah. in a different way. In, in a different way that's a little bit more healthy that will help me yeah. lose weight or do whatever. Right. So I think constantly kind of questioning. Our behavior and our motives, and especially when we find ourselves in a pattern of like, okay, I've been trying to do this thing and I can't do it. Right? I keep slipping up. I keep right. Okay. Then we start asking ourselves the question: Why do we become aware of like what it is that we're trying to do and where do we trip ourselves up? Because you know, hundred percent of the time, we're standing in our own way. That's like, for
1: sure. And I think <laughs> like, the awareness the awareness has to translate, and this just digs into more of my passion work is is what we do today directly affects how we operate in the boardroom on Wednesday, how we connect with our teams mm-hmm. on Thursday, how we relate to our children. And those things that you eat, what you put into your mind, how you move your body is gonna affect literally how you see, feel and taste the world. And so I am a, you know, as a chiropractor and stuff, I know all of these great choices that we're talking about affect the big players like diabetes, cancer, you know, heart disease. But to me the bigger issue is I want to see a more glorious sunset and I want to be able to hike easily there to see it. I want to sniff my grandchildren's hair. I want, I want to relate to my partner in a way that is just optimized because I'm as healthy as I possibly can be to experience. Right. That. So I think that's so, really important. So how do you approach mindfulness with your clients? Yeah, I come from a place of not. I'm not an early adopter for meditation, um, <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. And so mindfulness for me starts with asking, going inside and asking yourself some key questions. I feel. I think. I, you know, believe and just start asking some of yourself those questions. And I love journaling as an outlet for that. Yeah. And I really think it's important that we meet ourselves where we're at. So if a 20 minute a day meditation practice is outside and not available to you right now, that is so okay because 10 deep breaths is still going to help you. And so going back to kind of the tiny habit or the 1% with a mindfulness practice, starting on a very small scale and just, you know, getting excited about the few moments that you get every day and then just starting to build on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think meditation is fantastic and it's just so great. I think we really need to start with a mindfulness before we can move to meditation. And so that's, I think, how I would answer that question.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to jump from what I call the monkey mind into meditation. And I remember like years and years ago, the first time, like actually even the first time I went to a yoga class and we had to do Shavasana, right? And we're supposed to be getting, and I'm like, making a mental grocery list. What's my to-do list tomorrow? Doing all these things while I'm lying on the mat, right? Because I literally did not know had to calm my brain down enough, right? Yeah. Until it was one day somebody said, Okay, just spend like two minutes just focusing on your breath for a second. I was like, Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, this is this is what you mean by meditation? Okay, yeah. I get it now, right? But it's it's next to impossible when you've got like a million things going on up here to then all of a sudden drop in. I mean, you can get to that place with five yeah. and practice,
1: right? Yeah, um, for sure. There's a woman, Emily Fletcher, who runs Ziva Meditation. It's out of New York, um, but she's primarily online now and she works with some Big uh high performers is kind of her target. So people in corporate who you would think or, or other types of a- entrepreneurial space who you would think they probably never meditate, they're way too busy. But she I love her triad because it's mindfulness, then meditation, then manifestation, and it's this circle. Mm. And I really love the concept of that. Just becoming mindful, then understanding what meditation is and then you know, linking that toward manifestation and and bringing just incredible things into your life. Yeah, that's, I love that. I love that sequence. I'll have to look that up. Talk to me a little bit about leading a full color life.
0: Ah, so I love. I, by the way, I love that term, and I am a hundred percent signed up for full color life.
1: <laughs> Lovely. Me too. Me too. So I saw this photo once. It was black and white, and it was boys playing in a meadow, and they were kicking a soccer ball around. And I just thought, oh, this is such a cool looking photo. It's kind of blurry on the edges, and just kind of a cool black and white photo. Well, I. I clicked to the next photo and it was the same photo, but it was vibrant, greens, blues, reds, just look what like the grass was popping out and the sunlight was, it was just incredible. And it struck me so deeply that many of us had the opportunity or were living a full color life. And two, one of two things has happened, either we've had such a slow insidious shift toward the black and white photo We don't even remember what a full-color life feels like. Or we know that we are living a black and white life and that full-color is over here, but we don't think it's available to us. And so that idea of living a full-color life means how do I absolutely prime every sense in my body every opportunity to live adventure and excitement and all of those things and making choices on the smallest scale i love i love um, saying this to clients the hundreds of daily decisions you make the or the richness of let me get it straight my own quote <laughs> the richness of our life is dependent on the hundreds of daily health optimizing or health depleting decisions we make and so Those tiny little decisions you make take you, like you said, step by step, 1% by 1% toward that full color life. And that is such an amazing experience. We have such a short amount of time on this planet. I want every, not just every day, but every minute to be as vibrant as possible. And the only way that's available to us is if we are making really great choices to the most extent that we can in all of our wellness p- parameters
0: yeah and i love what you just said about you know wellness depleting and wellness what was the other side you said optimizing, optimizing yeah. choices right and then like the compound effect of that like so we all understand the compound effect of investing your money you know saving things like that but we don't readily apply that to our own lives and so yes. you know we take a small step and we go oh i didn't see any difference yes right and then we're like okay well this didn't work backtrack right and meanwhile if you just keep the pace keep the faith keep the consistency yeah. all of a sudden the compounding of all of those decisions you know the the health optimizing yeah. decisions all of a sudden you're like holy cow i'm in a totally different place
1: yeah one thing i do with clients is you know i'm a big fan of talking to your inner child i i think that's me very too. powerful but you and even, both Equally powerful as talking to your inner elder, your 85-year-old version of yourself, and ask her, what does she want? What does she need? What does she need you to be doing right now so that she can have the most incredible life available to her at that age? And that helps you make decisions now that you don't necessarily have to see, like, I didn't lose five pounds, or I don't feel like I have more energy right away. It doesn't matter because she will. And so if we keep investing in her health, then it makes it easier and less less apt to be derailed by the slightest appearance of non moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I have a technique that I've nicknamed or called the the fast forward technique where it's like you fast forward to, let's say to your 85 and then say, what am I going to say about my life when I look back at it? Like, what do I want to say about it? Right. Or through any problem or challenge that you have, fast forward yourself to the end of it and then say to yourself or to another person, what did I say about that? Like, oh my God, we, we finished it. But man, that was tough. I didn't think we were going to be able to get this done. I didn't think I was going to be able to conquer this, but I did, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden you've put your brain in the future. So I'm a huge proponent of envisioning, visioning, um, yes. dreaming, creating a vision for your life, right? And so allowing your brain to go past to the end of it actually kind of fools your brain to thinking you've already done it, even though you're yes. in the middle of it right? Yeah. So that's a, the exact same I concept, love that. right? Yeah, that's great. So that actually leads me to a question that I ask everybody on the podcast. So there is these phases of woman, womanhood that are typically named maiden, mother, and then we skip to crone. So maiden and mother, self-explanatory. Crone connotes the idea of the wizened old woman sitting on the mountaintop, you know, spouting wisdom into the world. Okay. There is a massive gap between when we stop becoming mothers or when when we are no longer active mothering and that 85-year-old woman, right? And I've termed that space um, Maven. And the definition of Maven is an expert with knowledge and wisdom to share with the world. And so I've characterized the years of like our midlife years as kind of the Maven years. Right. And this is the time where, you know, we're no longer focusing on family and children. And we now have this gap of time to be able to focus on ourselves and our gifts Mm -hmm. and what we want to share with the world. Mm -hmm. So looking back at your life, so fast forwarding to your 85 year old self, like what is the Maven legacy that you would like to leave uh, Mm -hmm. for the world?
1: Could have prepped me with this question. (laughs) I I like to get it fresh. (laughs) And it's good. Um, It's good. I know I will answer and then I will think about this probably for the next 24 hours because it's an awesome question. I would say the passion. Okay. I want to inspire for steps and ignite passion uh, in people who want to go after expressing their full human potential and vitality. And I want to do that in a way that isn't just about preventing disease and degenerative change. And Mm. so that people understand that those choices choices that they make right now allow them to have a life experience that is well beyond anything they could imagine. And so colorful, so full, so explosive. That excites me that really, if I can see, you know, When Mm. I see that light go on for somebody, I'm like, I want to do that a million times over because that means I can send them on their way and they can make great choices and they can invest in themselves and continue to get to know themselves, you know, more and more deeply. That just is a huge win for me. So if I, if I just do that for the rest of my life, I'm happy.
0: Wow. That is a beautiful (laughs) answer. And I'm actually got goosebumps when you were talking because, and the reason I love this so much is because you know, associated with age in our culture is the fact that there is a decline. Like I'm going to accept that I don't have as much energy. I'm going to accept that I don't move as well as I used to. I'm going to accept that I can't do these things any longer. And I'm calling big old BS on that one because like if we do not have to accept that, oh, you know, I've gained 20 pounds. Oh, you know, that's just age. Like not true right? That's just what you're accepting, right? And we have an opportunity to create a whole different paradigm Mm -hmm. for what aging looks like. Yes. Um, Especially as women, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I love what you do. I love the legacy that you want to leave in the world. I just think it's so powerful. And the more and more we can have people at any age stepping into their greatness and living their full-color life, I'm like, Mm -hmm. the world is a far better place for it. Yeah. so amen sister that's
1: amazing I yeah. am
0: yeah inspired by what you do uh, I love it thank you
1: so much the feeling is mutual I really feel honored and blessed to be here today with you and with your listeners so thank you for that yeah so where can people find out
0: more about what you do and obviously you're on the socials so yeah. let us know <laughs> on the socials where can people find more Heather Denniston?
1: Yeah, you bet. Well, first of all, I want to make sure that every listener has the opportunity to go through a workbook called Discover Your Wellness Why. So I know you're going to link that down below. Um, You're welcome to that. And what I love about that workbook is once you're done, I love to stay connected with people. So message me on Instagram what your wellness why is. I will never share it, but name it and proclaim it. And you can do that with me privately on my Instagram messenger. I'd love to hear from you. So all Platforms for me are well fit and fed. So Facebook, uh, my show rests on YouTube. So you can go there, well fit and fed, and Instagram as well. So and my website is well fit and fed as well. So that's that's where you can go to to find and me and find my stuff.
0: You also have a show called Junk You Should
1: Know too. Is that right? I do. Yeah, it's called the Junk You Should Know show. And it's it's the whole concept is let's take, you know, confusing and overwhelming wellness topics and break them down and just give you the junk that's important. And so uh, that's what I interview all sorts of different people. And uh, we have a lot of fun. And it's in its second year, we've done over 100 shows. So uh, wow. it's, yeah, it's great. It's on Facebook every Friday at noon on the Well Fit and Fed Facebook page. So if you want to check it out, you can head over there.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Heather. This was a great conversation. Everybody, I encourage you to go check out Well Fit and Fed and find yourself some more Heather (laughs) Denniston. We could, we all need support in living our full color life. And uh, Heather's your woman, your go-to. Thank you. So thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chick Snow Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.